Good morning. Good morning. I'm, we are live on Facebook, so going to get us going. Good morning. It's a great morning. You know, it might be a little chilly outside, but it is the last Sunday of summer. So it is still summer for me anyway. So today um, was Green Street United Methodist Church's first Sunday inside. So how wonderful that as the weather cooled down, we were able to go inside there, so we weren't out on the berm today um, in, the, in the cool air. So I'm stalling a little bit because it took me a little longer to get here today, so I'm assuming it'll take Bryce a little bit longer to get here as well um, because he is preaching today. So um, as we gather today, uh, we have the usual announcements. You can find us on Facebook, which... You can't hear me. Okay. All right. I thought you could. So being waved at frantically from the back. So there we go. All right. Sorry about that. Um, here we are. Okay. Everybody's waving at me now. Thank you. It's all good. So here we are. And if you're watching us live, you're watching us on Facebook. So you already know about our Facebook page. Um, if you are not watching us live, maybe you found us on YouTube. Um, so YouTube watchers, we also have a Facebook page. Um, and all of you in the room, I encourage you to check us out in those forums, if you haven't already, to like us on Facebook and follow us and, and, and watch the videos. And on YouTube, if you go to YouTube on Saturday night or Sunday morning, you'll see a playlist of songs that most of them will be applicable to what we're talking about later in the day. So I encourage you to check that out. And if you subscribe to YouTube, it doesn't cost you anything. It's just, I, I know subscriptions usually cost something, but if you're not familiar with YouTube, there's no cost to subscribe. But what that does, and I haven't explained this in a while, but for YouTube, for the church to be able to name our channel with our name, to put Hastings Hope UMC on our YouTube channel, we have to have 100 subscribers. And I think we're at 36. So if we could get everybody in this room to subscribe to YouTube, uh, that would be great. If you haven't already, have your, you know, encourage your friends to, and it doesn't cost you anything, just helps us get the word out. And that not that why we gather together anyway? Sheila's doing it, it's great. Um, isn't that why we gather? To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And what an easy way to do that. All you have to do is hit subscribe at youtube.com, Hastings Hope UMC. Subscribe. Maybe one of your friends will see that you subscribed. They'll go check it out. What a great way to spread the gospel without having to say a word just to show your support. So I encourage you to do that. Um, and another avenue that we use to try and reach out is Instagram. A lot of the younger people are on Instagram or on Snapchat. 
Um, we don't have a Snapchat. I don't know what those are called. Page? Profile? Um, we don't have one of those. Uh, but we do have Instagram, and it's a great way to share pictures. So if you want to take a selfie of you, if you're here in the pew, um, take a selfie of yourself, put it on Instagram, on our page, or tag us. I don't use Instagram a whole lot. I probably should have one of the young people up here <laughs> to talk about it. But I encourage you to do, those are very simple things to do to, to witness. To, you don't have to... Okay, I thought somebody said something, but um, it's just a simple way. You don't have to stop somebody on the street, not that we would these days anyway, but you can have a presence and you can state your case and, and present yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ just by how you use social media. So I encourage you to do that responsibly and to spread the word the way you can through that forum because we are all God's children and we need to act like it wherever we are, whether it's in this room or going about our daily lives, watching what we watch online and in videos, what we post on our social media pages, how we talk on the phone. Everything we do presents who we are. And if what we're doing or what we're saying isn't, isn't um, the same as what we do and say in this room or while watching our Facebook live feed, if those two things are wildly different, then are we really Christians? If those two aspects of our life, our in-church life and our out-of-church life, aren't the same, then are we really a Christian? So I encourage you to do all of those things and, um, and be together with each other. I'm still stalling. Oh, there's Bryce. <laughs> so I encourage you to do those things and, and operate as a, a family of Christ wherever you are. And I, I thank you for those of you that continually support the work we do through Hope Church through your, your gifts and offerings and, and tithes. Uh, there's several ways to do that. Um, you can do that online at our website, hastingshopeumc.org. There's a giving tab on there. You can do that if you're in the room. There's envelopes in the back of the sanctuary, and you can put them in the box. You can also use those envelopes to send us messages. So if you're not online, online you can obviously send us a message through whatever forum, but... Um, in the room, you can use those envelopes to put a comment and drop it in the box, and, and we'll get it. So with that, and then one last thing is, I, um, for those of you on Facebook and here in the room, next week we will be honoring um, some people that have had some special birthdays over the last few weeks, so, or last few months. So I encourage you to stop back in if you're in the room next week. Uh, and if you're online and want to take part in that, I encourage you to come. So here we go. Let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this space in order to worship. We thank you for all of the technology that allows us to, to witness to our relationship with you 
wherever we are and far beyond where we are. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for buildings that provide places to gather safely. We thank you for parking lots that have been used and digital technology that have been used. And today, Lord, we just ask you to be in this room, to be in this video, to give Bryce the words to say and to give the rest of us the ears to hear. Lord, we lift it all up to you, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Bryce has scurried over here, and he is <laughs> ready to go. Uh, right there. Yep, you can use that one. Yep. for my tardiness. This was our first Sunday back in the church at Green Street, and I was done on time, but you know, everybody had to grab me as I was leaving. So you know how that is. Pivotal Worship. The title of my message today, we certainly have done a lot of pivots in our worship in the last six months or so, haven't we? And uh, even though the scripture today may not seem obvious to you that it was about worship, and particularly pivotal worship, I think you'll see as we get into it in detail that it is. But first, a story, true story. A woman who went to one of my former churches came to see me. Um, actually, I went to see her. She had been visiting the church, and I said, well, I need to get to know her. So I, I said, you know, what, what caused you to start coming? What can I do for you? What do you like? All that kind of thing. And she said, well, <clears throat> I really like your preaching. She said, I, you always preach from the Bible, and you always give me something interesting or new to think about. And, you know, I'm getting all pumped up. But pride goes before the fall. She said, and the thing I really like about you, she said, is you're a man. <laughs> that was my, in, my inflate and deflate gate all in one. In 30 seconds, I went from being inflated to deflated. I learned she was a member of another United Methodist Church that had just appointed a female pastor to that church and she just couldn't deal with it. And it's not that she was uninformed about what the scripture said. I mean, she quoted from like 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, a woman should be silent in church and all those verses. And she quoted from this passage, which is our focus reading for today from 1 Timothy chapter two. And a woman shouldn't teach. So it's not that she was uninformed about what the Bible said. In fact, I learned as I kept talking to her that she was the daughter of a minister. She was a preacher's kid. A wonderful woman. 
She attended that church for I forget how many years, many years, until she died. And uh, I had the privilege of officiating at her funeral service, and it was a true celebration of someone's life in Christ. She's had a tremendous faith and all those good things that make doing a celebration service a real joy, except for one thing that bugged me then and still bugs me now. She went to her grave thinking that she was not capable of teaching or preaching the gospel just because she was a woman. And so let's read this passage again together. This passage from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 8 through 15. It's written by Paul, again, one of our first and greatest missionaries to Timothy. And you remember a couple weeks ago when I preached on Philemon, well, that area where Onesimus, the runaway slave, became the second bishop of Ephesus. Well, Timothy, who Paul is writing to here, was the first bishop in Ephesus. Verse 8, in every place of worship, I want men to pray. should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Verse 11. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first and afterwards he made Eve and it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and sin was the result. But woman, women will be saved through childbearing assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness and modesty. May God's blessing be added to the reading of God's word. This is one of those passages that pastors like to skip over and not preach about. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to understand, isn't it? Do not let women teach or have authority. Let them listen quiet, quietly. Well, there it is in plain English. Problem is, the Bible wasn't written in plain English. It wasn't written in English at all. It wasn't written to English-speaking people. It wasn't written to people in our culture and in our place. Do not let women teach. It's what the Bible says, but what does it mean? That saying reminds me of something my favorite teacher would tell me. My favorite teacher was a woman, Annalise Sinnott. She was a nun, Sister Annalise. <laughs> she was a seminary professor of systematic theology. 
one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And she was Catholic, obviously, being a nun. And she was in a system, she was in a system that didn't allow her to certainly be a priest or have any of those authority positions in her church. And lest we Methodists think that we are so far advanced in that thinking, you know, it wasn't until 1956, not that long ago, that the United Methodist Church, or the Methodist Church at the time, ordained the first woman. That's what the Bible says, but what does it mean? And she also challenged me to think about is the Bible being descriptive here, or is the Bible being prescriptive? In other words, when you read about Solomon or somebody with hundreds of wives, is that descriptive of just the way things were, or is that prescriptive of the way things should be? We always have to answer that question when we're studying the Bible. And she was, again, a brilliant person not allowed to do everything and be everything she could be in her religious system, the Catholic Church. And we talked about that. Why, you know, why, why are you Catholic? <laughs> and she basically said, well, I'm loyal. <laughs> That's how I was raised. Catholic Church isn't perfect. Neither is any other church. <laughs> and I've said the same thing about my church. My church is not perfect, but I'm loyal, not only to the church itself, but to the people in the church. And I respect that in a person, in a world that has little loyalty, little loyalty to their spouses, little loyalty to their country, little loyalty to their churches. That's what the Bible says, but what does it mean? So my favorite teacher, Annalise, Sister Annalise, was a systematic theologian. That was what she studied in my first trip through seminary. That was my major. And we got to remember that when Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he's not a systematic theologian. <laughs> He's not a systematic theologian. He's not writing a theology of women, if you will. He's not trying to do that. Thank God. Thank goodness. He's not writing that way. Just like when we talked about Philemon, he wasn't trying to change the whole culture about the way it was. He was all about whatever it took to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was giving some very practical pastoral advice to this younger understudy of his, Timothy, who was dealing with some difficult situations in his specific particular church. And that particular church was in Ephesus. Small, just getting started. It wasn't the predominant culture of the area. I'll tell you what the predominant religious culture was. It was the cult of Artemis. Artemis was a female god, a female deity. There's a huge temple there where people worship this female god. Still there today, or parts of it, you can visit there. 
And as you might expect in a religion that worshipped a female god, all of the priests or priestesses were women. Men weren't allowed. Women had all the authority. That was the pagan or the Gentile culture where that church at Ephesus was being formed. So these Gentiles with that influence and then some Jews too who had converted to Christianity. So when Paul said in this context, verse 8, that in every place of worship I want men to pray, what? You want men to pray? All the Gentiles are used to having only women praying, only women being priests. It was a huge pivot and change in thinking in their culture. And the priestesses, they would adorn themselves with fancy robes, fancy clothes, they would braid their hair, they would wear jewels, they would sometimes dress in a sexually explicit way because that was part of their worship. I won't share too much detail there. <laughs> but when Paul says, I want women to be modest in their appearance, they should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or wearing gold or pearls. This was a huge pivot to what people were used to seeing in terms of women in worship. It's a huge change. Huge pivot. And this the fact that Paul is also addressing the Jews in his congregation who had converted to Christianity. And the fact that he's saying, I want women in worship, that was a huge pivot for the Jewish folks because in some Orthodox Jewish religions, religious groups, synagogues today even, women sit separately than the men. So he's saying here, I want women in worship, but I, I don't want them or anyone else in the worship to be confused that they're, well, that they're worshiping this pagan goddess, Artemis, also called Diana in Latin, in Roman language, if you will. And so even without that cultural context, there is this practical aspect to that passage. I mean, it makes sense for both men and women when you think about it. I know that I have seen men dress in million-dollar outfits, fancy suits, mostly on TV. Paul's saying that's inappropriate, I think. <laughs> the same way it's inappropriate for someone to dress in a sexually explicit way. Coming to church in a bikini, I don't think you would appreciate that. Or me in a Speedo, don't think about that one. That might detract from your worship experience. I think it might. And then Paul goes on to say that women should learn quietly and submissively. I don't let women teach or have authority. Let them listen quietly. Well, if you're writing a letter to this fledging little church, this developing Christian community in this big city of Ephesus and wanted to say that 
The gospel of Jesus Christ requires you to reorganize all your thinking about men and women. Well, that's what Paul's doing from the bottom up. And one of those features is that women are encouraged to study and take a leadership role. The fact that they're encouraged to study itself was a huge change in thinking from the Jewish converts in the, in the congregation. That was a huge change, huge pivot. At the same time, as the women study, as they're being trained in Christianity, if you will, we want to make sure they do it in a disciple-like, quietly submissive manner, not such that they gain authority and take charge of everything because of the way things were in that cultic religion. And so you can see that. You can see why Paul might have said those things to that church in that context. Can you not? Women should learn, but they should do it like a disciple. You know, Paul describes himself learning as a disciple under the great rabbi Gamaliel in Acts chapter 22, I believe it is. He describes himself as sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, quietly and submissively. In other words, women should learn to be a disciple like men learn to be a disciple. I think that's what Paul's saying there. Further, Jesus, you remember when Jesus reprimanded Martha in the Mary and Martha story in Luke chapter 10? Martha was mad because Mary was doing what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we think Martha was mad because she wasn't helping her in the kitchen, but no, I think really she was mad because Mary was acting like a man. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning like a disciple. And so just like Paul and just like Jesus, women must learn. Women must learn. Some translations translate that word, I, that should word I read, should learn, into must learn. There's an imperative kind of behind the original language. Not so that they can learn and muscle in and take over like that Artemis cult, but so that they can utilize all their gifts to further the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul said here in this culture and in this context. But even better evidence from my perspective in terms of including women fully in leadership and in ministry in the church is what Paul did. <laughs> you can say one thing, you can write one thing, but what do you actually do? That really speaks to me. And here's what he actually did. He incorporated more women in his ministry than any Jewish person ever did before him. I mean, you can name a lot of these names too. Phoebe, one of the first deacons. Some people believe that you have to be a man to be a deacon. In some churches to this very day, you have to be a man to be a deacon in the church. Paul describes his co-worker Phoebe as a deacon. Prisca, Nympha, Mary, Lydia. Paul describes these women as being leaders of their own church. They were house churches. 
but they were leaders of their church. I can name a lot more, but one in particular I wanted to mention was Junia. In Romans chapter 16, which Paul also wrote, the book of Romans, he describes Junia as an apostle. <laughs> wow. Didn't you think that there was only 12 men who were apostles? Paul describes Junia as an apostle. It's a huge shift in thinking in the early church. And yet many churches to this day prohibit women from being pastors, from leadership positions. Based on what the Bible says, you gotta give them credit for that. That's what the Bible says, but what does it mean? That's a much difficult, more difficult question. What does it mean? You gotta think like a Christian on these passages that don't seem to make sense or you can't make sense out of. Like when I talked about Philemon again a couple weeks ago, those subtleties in Paul's letter to Philemon about how to treat this runaway slave who had now become a Christian, there were no models, no laws for that in Christendom anyways. He was making Philemon think like a Christian to deal with things that are outside of the normal. Same is true for us. We have to think like Christians. It's hard, I know. I always like it when you order something online and you have to do something. It's, you know, prove you're not a robot. So, you know, click on the pictures that have this or something. You have to do something while you're ordering that to prove you're not a robot. Ever done that? That's what I think about, about folks who look at the Bible without actually looking at the context and the meaning. Think like a Christian, not like a robot. You have the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit working within you. Is that passage descriptive or is it prescriptive? We always have to ask ourselves that question. And even those things that are really cultural, like some of these things I mentioned here and in other passages, like women covering their heads, he mentions that in Corinthians, women covering their heads in churches. That's why years ago people, women used to wear hats to church, you know that. Well, even that, if it's about sharing the gospel, is worth pursuing. Uh, you know, if, if I'm going to send a missionary, a female missionary, to Afghanistan, I'm going to make darn sure she covers her head. Because if she doesn't, nobody's going to listen to her. She's not going to get a hearing of the gospel. And as Jesus and Paul were all about, it was all about sharing the gospel. It wasn't about following the cultural norms necessarily. Whatever it takes so the gospel will be heard. A lot's at stake here in this passage. A lot is at stake. 50% of all the potential workers in God's kingdom is at stake. The people you love, your sisters, your daughters, 
your granddaughters, whatever it takes to share the gospel. It's a pivotal change for some people's thinking about ministry and leadership. But praise God, we're able to think like Christians, I hope. We don't have to think like robots. And even in this time we've been in, this COVID time, which has been a crisis in many respects, we have learned so much about what has to change and pivot going forward. As they say, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Same is true here. We have learned a whole lot about online worship because of this COVID crisis. Here's a couple of the things we've learned. For online worship, shorter is better. People will not stay online for an hour of worship. They will not do it. If you're going to design a worship for people online, it's got to be shorter. No more than a half hour, probably 20 minutes is better. 18 to 20 minutes is the designed time for a TED Talk. Did you know that? That's it. Shorter's better. You need to get the message to the front of the service rather than at the end of the service. That's a total pivot in thinking for worship for many people. You do everything else up front and the message is at the end, not for online. You need to pivot that thinking. You got to get the message up front. People aren't going to hang on for a half hour waiting for it. They won't do it. And a whole lot more. And so I know that we are thinking, and I know Kim's thinking too, about perhaps developing a, a totally new online worship. Something that's designed for those folks. Some of our online worshipers, we had a thousand people look at some of our online worship services. A thousand people. We've never had a thousand people in church. Where's the greatest potential to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Particularly for the next generation. That's where it is. I'm convinced of it. You'll hear more about that. And it's all about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we praise your name for your word, and we praise your name for giving us the mind of Christ and your Holy Spirit working within us and for scholars and people who are knowledgeable of history and context and understand the scriptures in detail so that we might understand how to apply them today. Guide us as churches as we look forward to the next phase of worship, what format that needs to be in and what we need to do to accommodate people, to reach people who have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. Guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bryce. It's often easier for a man to preach from that scripture to support females like me that, that have heard the call and want to share that call. And we are all called male and female, to spread the word, to spread the gospel. And we need to use all of the technologies available to us on our 
have we said goodbye to our online audience? Okay, goodbye to our online audience. We hope to see you again next week. Well, hope you see us again next week. Um, we don't see you, but we are glad you are here. So have a blessed week.